I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Clinical trials for rare disease therapies can pose some unusual logistical challenges that can make it difficult to get patients to participate or remain enrolled in the trial until its completion. Clincierge provides a service that aims to reduce barriers to trial participation. It arranges travel and housing logistics, provides payment and reimbursement systems to address out-of-pocket expenses for patients, and supports family and caregivers to address a patient's special needs. We spoke to Scott Gray, CEO of Clincierge, about the challenges drug developers face in rare disease trials, what Clincierge does to address them, and how its service reflects the growing trend toward patient centricity. Uh, Scott, thanks for joining us. Happy to be with you today. We're going to talk about Clincierge and, and the role it plays, particularly in clinical trials for rare disease therapies. Perhaps you can begin with the challenges sponsors face in conducting a clinical trial, particularly for a therapeutic to treat a rare disease. I'm happy to describe some of the challenges. Um, so in, in thinking about a rare disease, it's um, um, a rare disease is, or the patients are of rare disease are not concentrated in one geographic area because there's a lower percentage of the population who have an affliction. So there may only be two, three, ten patients in one country that has a particular rare disease. And if we think across Europe with multiple different countries, maybe there are only a hundred patients total. It doesn't make financial or logistical sense when when a drug company or drug developer is developing a treatment for this rare disease, it doesn't make financial or logistical sense to launch a treatment site for each of those small patient groups. They may be able to raise one treatment site, let's say an example, in London, where the patients need to travel to that country, to London, to get their treatment. So then we have expense barriers. The patients who cannot afford to purchase airline travel, even if it is reimbursed. They, um, there's a language barrier. The Polish patients may not speak English. So when they get to London for their treatment, they don't have an ability to communicate easily with the, with the, um, the medical, uh, staff at the facility where they're getting their treatment. And they may never have traveled before. So where Clincierge comes in, We've put coordinators in the countries where the patients reside, so we are able to speak to them in their native language. Our hospitality-oriented staff know how to coordinate travel for them, give them the comfort that everything will be organized from car service from their home to the airport to a translator that will meet them in London, for example, the example that we're using and escort them all the way through their treatment so they know exactly what's happening. How much of a challenge is patient retention in these trials? 
Patient retention can be significant. If, if we look at some of the statistics that are out there, the average uh, dropout rate hovers between 30 and 40 percent. So in thinking about a, a um, drug developer who's investing millions and multi-millions in bringing a product to market, if a trial that is scheduled to last 18 months long suddenly has patients dropping out at the 12-month mark and they're not able to gather the relevant statistical minimum data that they need to submit for their approval, it means they need to now invest a few million dollars more to extend the life of the, of the clinical trial so they can add patients who now are enrolling at day one and have them fulfill the, the um, clinical trial treatment schedule of 12, 18 months, whatever that particular trial is scheduled to be. So it can, it, it can not only does it cost more because of the dropout rate, it also delays the company's ability to submit for approval and bring their product to market. Why don't we take a step back? How did Concierge come about? How did it begin? What, what's its model? Well, it, it really was born merely out of a, a request from a client for whom the, um, the parent company, Gray Consulting International, which does corporate meetings and events, mostly in the pharma life sciences area. We were servicing the bio, a biotech customer in conducting their investigator meetings, organizing their investigator meetings. They were, they were, they were facing a problem. They were, they just received approval that they were going to launch the trial that they were already conducting in the United States. They were now got, they now got approval to open it up in 18 countries outside of the U.S. But they were faced with all of the barriers that I just described. Patients, caregivers, inexperienced travel, um, uh, language barriers, etc. And they asked if we would take a stab at helping them solve this problem. Since our expertise is in global meeting and event logistics, we applied many of the same techniques that we use in coordinating a meeting for 500 um, pharmaceutical executives in Rome, where you know we apply the philosophies. We, we tap the same staff that we would use to coordinate a global meeting who are multilingual, that embedded in different countries, and we put together the model that is now Quincierge. In a clinical trial, there are the patients, the, the sponsors, and, and the investigators. I thought we could perhaps walk through each of those and understand how Quincierge interacts with them and, and what it does. Let's start with the patients and their families. Yes, yeah, so with the patients and the families, then when, when we are given the information that a patient is enrolled in the trial, that information is provided to the, the concierge, the clinicierge coordinator located in that country. That clinicierge coordinator then works with the patient and caregivers on coordinating all of the logistics to get them to their treatment site, to their treatments on schedule. So it's, um, though we thought an app might be a solution or a website might be a solution, what turns out to be the most wanted solution is someone to talk with on the phone. How about sponsors or CROs? Well, the sponsors, so the sponsors and CROs, they are 
delighted to see the increased retention rate. And though there's a there's a shift in the budget to run the clinical trial to the front side, meaning to fund the ClinSeer service, what they're seeing is a huge return on investment because they're not having to invest millions of dollars more on the end to extend the clinical trials. So, and and then they're also able to submit data for their approval and come to market more on time. What about the investigators? Do they derive any benefits from this? Well, the investigators, um, in speaking um, more specifically, the, the clinical trial sites, they are thrilled to be working with the ClinCR coordinators because no longer does a nurse administrator or a um, primary investigator, for that matter, have to worry about coordinating the travel for the patients who are coming in from another location to their treatment. And, you know, what if there's a travel delay or what if um, something needs to be rescheduled and, oh, by the way, they don't necessarily get the funding up front to pay for all of this. So they're, they were really stuck with the same model over and over again that wasn't working very well. So the treatment sites, the investigators are thrilled to have clinciers in place because we prepay the air travel for the patients and we prepay their hotel stays if there are hotel stays. And we also manage the reimbursement of, in, of incidental travel expenses back to the patients and caregivers. I, I thought we could walk through an actual example. I know there was a, a late-stage trial for an RNAi therapy and rare disease that you provided services to. This is a trial that uh, I think you made reference to it that involved 18 countries and people had to travel extensively. Walk us through that and, and what concierge actually did. Yeah, so in, in that case, the um, there were uh, the a few treatment sites that were set up. And let's say, I'll use the same example of London. So one of the treatment sites is London. The London site notifies um, our Clintier's office of a patient that's now enrolled from Poland. Then we make sure that our Clintier's coordinator who manages Poland gets all the information that's essential. The coordinator will talk and will now introduce him or herself to the site in London so that we have direct connection and interaction that's established, a trust that's established, and the coordinator gets to understand the treatment schedule for this particular uh, Polish patient. Then the concierge coordinator calls the patient and or their caregiver and has the same introductory conversation. Here, this is me. I'm your your Quincyers coordinator. I'm going to be doing this for you over the next 18 months. I know that your schedule is that every 21 days you're going to be going to London for a three night stay for you to get this treatment, and then we'll bring you back home, and then we'll do this over again in 21 days, and we're going to do this for a year to 18 months. So that's where this long-term relationship becomes established between the coordinator and the and the patient and their caregiver. And in this case, the trial sponsors originally planned to relocate everyone for the entire duration of the trial, as I understand it. But you talked them into to keeping people where they were and just bringing them in every what was it, twenty-one days or thirty days? 
Correct. Yes, you're right. The, the initial thought was to relocate everyone, but the, you know, it's not, you know, it's nice to go on vacation, but it's always fun being home. So being routed out of your home when you're not, when you're ill and not having your family and support system around you was, was not what we were feeling would be the more patient centric approach. We felt that moving the patients, as long as they were able to, moving the patients every 21 days just for their treatment would be much more beneficial and much more um, uh, a, a kinder approach to how the patients would receive their treatment. And is there any, any sense whether it, it turned out to be the better way to go? Well, the the trial hasn't completed yet, so I don't have full metrics to analyze. But we do know that the retention rate for this particular study is 90, 95% rather. And we also know that a, another drug developer is running a competing trial pulling from somewhat of the same patient population. Our client started later and will finish sooner. And we, we do feel that it's because of the, the option of having the Clincierge service, um, leading their trial logistics for their patients. It, it seems like it was something that was costly to do. How much cost do companies lay out for this? Or is there some way they realize savings and other ways to offset this? Well, for, for many of the trials, they're, they're budgeting travel already. So the, and the, the, the actual pass through costs of the travel, housing, food and beverage, and, you know, any, any incidental travel expenses. If that's built into the trial budget already, then it's merely the different method of coordination that Clinciers utilizes. So the cost of our service is the smaller part of, of that whole budget. And what the what the, the drug developer does realize is with the increased retention rate and the reduced need to extend the clinical trial duration, they're able to submit for their data and come to market sooner. So coming to market sooner means they're 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 beginning to recover their R and D investment sooner. We talked about this in the context of of rare diseases, but I suspect this has implications for clinical trials more broadly it, it does and, and we um, um, so one interesting clinical trial that we worked on was a uh, circadian rhythm drug developer where we were only responsible for moving the patients from the US to a capital city in Europe London or Paris and getting the patients to a sleep lab within a certain window of time. Um, so maybe still considered, actually not actually for that one, circadian rhythm is a, a, um, a jet lag study. So for me, that's a common disease. <laughs> having, having just arrived from Paris last night, believe me, it's a common disease. You know, we hear a lot of talk these days about patient centricity. Uh, th does this reflect some kind of rethinking on the part of drug developers and the the relationship to patients and, and their the way they should work with them? There, There is. There's a huge, I'll, I'll call it a movement, for 
let's let's say putting um, putting some meat into the the words patient centricity and making sure that the patients are treated like people versus just subjects. So f even from a vocabulary perspective, we're, we make sure that we, we speak about the people that are involved and subjects is not a word that we, we use. Um, there, and there are many, many clients that we're speaking to, some of whom have, um, established teams within their drug companies that are solely focused on enhancing and improving their patient-centric approach to dealing with um, in clinical trials. Scott Gray, CEO of ClinCiers. Scott, thanks so much for your time today. Very much a pleasure. Thank you for, for chatting with me today. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The BioReport, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.